Welcome to Think Queerly. I'm your host, Darren Steele, helping people lead from their difference to make a difference. Think Queerly is a queer thought leadership podcast and a publication on Medium at thinkqueerly.com that dissects the status quo through critical analysis and thoughtful dialogue. On the show, I talk about the unique and necessary social and cultural contributions that LGBTQ people offer humanity, and I share my evolving ideas about how we can create a more loving and accepting society for all people. So how can we create trust and certainty in challenging times? And specifically, at the time of recording, this is Thursday, March 19th, 2020. And the COVID-19 is a pandemic that's causing social disruption like we've never seen before. And everything is new. Some aspects of it are not new, but what we are experiencing as a society and individuals and what we are having to do, how we are having to change is very, very difficult. And it's causing a mass amount of uncertainty, which makes us feel uncomfortable, which makes us feel fearful. I'm thinking of a quote by Ram Das. He says, who you think you are each day completely determines the universe you live in. I was having a conversation with a friend last night. I was saying, sometimes I feel like I'm bridging sort of Eastern philosophy, Taoism, you know, sort of inward self-reflection with neuroscience and aspects of personal development. Um, it's a bit of a, a, <laughs> a bizarre but really useful and important intersection of a lot of ways of looking at the world. Now, I find these three intersections incredibly useful because you can get stuck in neuroscience and the science of things and biology and patterns and behavior and you know, what does it all mean? How do you bring it down to a level of understanding it at the human level so that you can action it and make it understandable? That's the personal growth part, the personal evolution part, which leads in the larger sense to something I'm working on, helping people lead from their difference to make a difference, how to create social evol evolution. And I'm not a mystic. I'm not someone who believes in God, but I understand what to me spirituality means, this inner sense of self, and that we are all connected in that way, and that I can have a morality and lead from ethics that extends outwards, which means that my actions are going to have repercussions. And like I said in two episodes ago, personal responsibility is, is, is paramount. We have to take responsibility for ourselves and for our own well-being so that we can have a positive influence and impact on the world and those that we care about. So this pandemic right now is very challenging for all of us to remain calm and to not slide into doubt or fear or the darkness of depression or worse to like 
be frustrated and lash out in anger and uh, desperation and, and, and yell at people and complain that our prime minister isn't doing enough or what about me? I, you know, and at the same time, recognizing that these are reactions we react in times of crises because it's a disruption, because we don't know how to respond. And somebody listening to this who's in highly reactive mode right now would say, Darren, why, why wouldn't we be reacting? This is normal. Well, yes, it is normal to react. And I'm going to get to why that is. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you're, you know what I'm probably going to say. And some of us are really much more resilient than others. You know, some people have an actual physiological slant more towards happiness. They're more uh, outgoing. They generally have a, a like a happier disposition. <clears throat> and then others are more prone to worry and upset. And I'm I'm the latter. I tend to. I used to think I just inherited that perhaps characteristically from more my mother and that's not blaming my mother or my father i'm just saying my mother is like that my dad is the more relaxed of my parents and yet at a physiological level i tend to be more of a worrier and there's all kinds of reasons and that's the topic for another podcast as to why that might happen at a physiological not just a psychological level at the level of the body at the level of my biology <clears throat> Now, whether or not you have an excellent social support system that lifts you up, be that, you know, a partner, a lover, your friends, your family, your pets, what are you most afraid of right now? What makes you slide into darkness or depression or anger or reactivity right now in this pandemic? Now, what can you do that will make you feel certain? What can you do that will, what can you do that will allow you to trust that what you know is certain in your life, that you can trust in this will lead to that? For example, economically, a lot of people are worried. How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay my mortgage? Will there be enough food at the grocery store? How long will I be out of work? Um, if you're in sales, I do work in sales. People are saying, not right now. We're closed for business. Everything is deferred. Can you be certain about those things that are outside of yourself? No. But in the most immediate circumstances, you might know that you have food in the fridge today. You are certain that you can eat until Sunday because you have the fridge stocked. You're certain that the management team that is in charge of Loblaws, the big uh, grocery store in Ontario, has put out a message saying, there is food available, there is stock, we're not going to gouge, we're not going to raise prices, please don't worry, please don't panic, please don't overstock on supplies. You might know that you have a job still to go to. You might know that you have so much money in your savings or so much money in your RSP, and if worse comes to worse, you can survive until. 
And the more that you know what these certainties are, the more you can stay centered, the more you can stay calm. And these are strategies that you can use to center yourself in this time of crisis, especially when many of us are at home, some of us are alone, some of us are maybe only with one other person, and we don't have that comfort of going out and hanging out with our friends and being in social environments and just letting loose and letting go because we're being personally responsible and following the guidelines of the people who are in charge of health and safety at the level of the municipality or the province of the state or federally in the country that you live in. I was thinking about my purpose in relation to all of this that came through to me as a final exercise in a 30-day coaching program that I took part of at the beginning of the year. And my purpose is this. You have within you the knowledge and wisdom to overcome personal struggles and inequality. Love and accept yourself without conditions, and you will be loved and appreciated by others. That's my purpose, but from my purpose, I extend outwards in how I work with others in coaching. And overcoming personal struggles is something that's really meaningful to me and how I've had my own suffering, my own shame, my own gay shame, and that's what the inequality aspect is that I, I fight and ad- I don't fight, I advocate for. I speak out for queer rights, LGBTQ inclusion, diversity, equality, and for thinking differently, and for seeing the world differently, and for seeing things outside of the status quo so that we can make the world a better place and evolve. And love is that thing that will allow us to accept ourselves and take personal responsibility. And loving ourselves without conditions is an absolute requisite. Because you're not going to do your best work if you don't love yourself. You're not going to be the change that you want to see in the world if you don't first love and care for yourself and your well-being. And loving yourself without condition is how you will thrive. And that is how other people are attracted to you. I don't know if you remember, if you listened to an episode, episode 119, Owning the problem is the nature of personal responsibility. When I said personal responsibility is the ultimate self-love. And I just shared that on Facebook yesterday because I recognized and realized that this is what is happening right now. I'm seeing this so much. People are reaching out, helping others, extending what they can do. I just saw something on Instagram from, uh, I think it's queer consciousness in Toronto. I don't know if it was them or they were reposting something else. People were making small batches of food to deliver to those people who could not cook for themselves or perhaps, uh, you know, can't leave the home for whatever reason. They're doing that in my building as well, doing bulk cooking to deliver to the members that, you know, have compromised immune systems or are much older and are really much more strongly staying inside to protect their health. But these are really difficult times, and I'm suffering. You know, as people become more understanding and understand more of what is happening, there will be 
a calming and hopefully a more sensible approach to to what is both unique and difficult in this pandemic. Like these these things like not not having work at the moment or being forced to stay home, not being able to go to the gym, not being able to hang out with your friends, uh, being very careful about going to the grocery store, not being able to just have somebody drop by and have coffee and chit-chat because that's not social distancing. And even so many more situations that I can't think of at the top of my head right now that might be much more severe or might be relatively small, but have a big impact on one's emotional well-being. But here's a very, very important truth. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Now, when you think about that, if you look at things really negatively, everything's going to be negative. That's also how you're going to think. If you change to the positive, well, when you change the way you look at things, if you're looking at things negatively and you look at things in a more, what can I learn from this? What is good about this situation? Then the things you look at change. It's literally like if you're really stuck and depressed and down and frustrated and are angry and, and someone helps you to come out of that. And then suddenly you start seeing things more brightly. And this is actually quite true. When I'm upset or angry, I it's almost like I've got blinders on and literally the lights are going dim. But when I feel better about things, it's literally like my eyes open up more and, and things shimmer more. I see more. I think perhaps at a physiological level, the senses become more open to being expansive and seeing everything around me as opposed to being really sequestered into the ancient brain, the amygdala and self-protective and not wanting to take in um, anything else from the world other than, is this going to hurt me? <clears throat> And what's important here is that your feelings lead to your thoughts, which lead to your words, and then your actions. And that's going to be in alignment with what's important to you. So your feelings lead to your thoughts, words, and action. And that's the alignment of what's important to you. And each one of those steps informs the next one. So if you feel fear and panic, you then think negatively, and then maybe you choose words like terrifying or fucking annoying, and then you take an action that's in alignment with that process of feel-think words. And how we manifest our feelings into the world through our actions is a reflection of who we are and how we look at things. So if we are afraid, angry, or terrified at the feeling level, how does that manifest into an action? 
And how do you interrupt this process at the, at the point of feeling? Prediction and response. Prediction and response. So this is how our brain works. <clears throat> Without the ability to predict what will happen based on what has happened in the past, we can't respond based on patterns, behaviors, or habits and memories that have simply become programming in our brain. And this is how we function day to day as human beings. We're not even conscious of all the responses we're making in relation to the thousands and thousands of predictions um, in, in relation to what our senses are picking up in the environment around us. And it's not until we encounter something new, and it could be something small or it could be something really large, or that we're faced with a significant disruption to our daily lives like the COVID-19 pandemic that we stumble. We're suddenly face to face with the unknown. We don't have something that we've faced before, so we don't have a response. And we react accordingly at the level of the most ancient part of our brain, the amygdala, which is constantly assessing sensory input, sight, smell, hearing, taste, and then even feelings, internal feelings like gut feeling, how fast is your heart racing, um, balance even, like if you were walking and there was an earthquake and you would feel it maybe if there was no sound, right? So the amygdala, the amygdala is constantly depending on all of our senses, both the external senses and the internal senses, but it's always asking the same question based on the data that's coming in from those senses. And it keeps asking the same question over and over and over. And that question is, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Now, if your amygdala, which is sometimes referred to as the, the reptile brain, if it recognizes a pattern, that's cool. That's great. It's like, ah, okay, fine. Let's settle down. And you can go back to doing your everyday business that you were doing before. It's like, oh yeah, what was I going to make for dinner? Or maybe you're thinking about like, how am I going to solve world hunger? And these thoughts are, are the function of the human mind, the prefrontal cortex, the youngest part of the brain where we can, we can plan our better future. And then we can take the steps to create it and design it and basically improve our lives and hopefully the lives of those that we care about. But let's say you're out walking late one night and it's really a torrential downpour, heck of a storm. It's raining and the, the wind is blowing the rain near sideways and you hold your umbrella out in front of you like a shield against the coming onslaught you're unable to see in front of you. The Umbrella looks like it's going to collapse and break in your face and you can barely lift it up. You know, that, that shield, it's blocking your sight. You only lift it up just enough to see a few feet in front of your own walking feet, but you can't really see that far in front of you. And you're in some neighborhood you've never been in before. You don't know it. And it's dark. It's a really quiet street. You know, the lights aren't on for some reason. Maybe the power went out. You don't know. So it's really dark. And you haven't seen anyone else on the street and you hear some noise. It's a loud crashing. And you stand up straight. 
you're holding that umbrella up overhead and it's basically been blown out backwards and the rain is pelting against you, but it doesn't matter anymore. You don't care about getting wet. That's the least of your worries here. What's that noise you think? You're ready to run if you feel threatened and maybe you're even squeezing that umbrella really tight because you're like clenching your fist, wondering if you have to like defend yourself against something. And suddenly you see something out of the corner of your eye and you realize it's somebody digging through the garbage And they're just behind some fence that, you know, you didn't see earlier because you had the umbrella in front of your face and you couldn't see more than a couple feet in front of you. And there's garbage cans all over the ground. One of them's like kind of like blowing off in the wind now, making that sound that you heard sort of earlier. And you think, oh, it was just the sound of those garbage can lids crashing on the ground. And slowly you feel like your heart rate in your chest go from... 200 beats a minute, boom, 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 and it just starts to slow down, and you, you take a deep breath, and you exhale, and you start to release your posture and your muscles that you didn't even realize were suddenly so tensed up, they relax a little bit more, and you check your umbrella, you fix it, and turn it back the right side in, and put it in front of your face, you're soaking wet, but you know, you're going to do your best, and you pass the person that's rifling through the garbage. Maybe they're a homeless person, who knows, but they don't even notice you. You kind of smile to yourself when you laugh inwardly and you move on towards your destination as the adrenaline response slowly drains out of your body and that feeling of fight or flight or freeze, which is the response of the amygdala, dissipates. So now, you have a potential new prediction pattern. Well, pattern usually requires a lot of repetition. But you've got this experience that you've had, and it involves this situation, this street, the rain, the darkness, the wind, the sound of the crashing garbage can lids. Well, the next time something similar to this happens, it it doesn't mean you're just going to like pass it off and go, yeah, that's this. But you might have a recollection, like, is that, so you'll be aware, you might still be at the level of the amygdala wondering, how should I react to this situation? But it's one more set of information that's now been put into your brain. Now, that was just an example to explain how the brain works at the level of the greatest affront to its safety. And what we're dealing with as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic, the social distancing, the social isolation, the economic uncertainty, not knowing how long we're going to have to live through this, what next concert is going to be canceled? Are you going to have a job? Are you going to be able to pay your rent? Are you going to be able to pay your mortgage? Uh, That you've lost how much percentage of your savings? These are all major stressors, intellectual stressors. They're not currently physiological if you're not actually sick, but you have these stresses that are mental situations, possibilities. Each one of us handles this uniquely, how we react or respond to this. Now, this is happening to the entire world to different degrees. How we are dealing with this socially, politically is disruption at its 
greatest example. And disruption is a massive stress, a huge ball of unpredictability, and one for which we struggle to find response because disruption is new and there's no prediction and there's no response yet. And when we don't have prediction and we don't have response, we don't have happiness, we don't have freedom. Anything that puts a limit or restricts us is felt as a lack of freedom. Now, the worst situations are one in which something is really enforced upon us and and we struggle and fight against it. So in the world of LGBTQ rights, human rights, when something is taken away from us, when we don't have certain rights, we don't have freedoms. And we struggle with that. We fight and advocate to get those rights. But this is different. Many of us right now can kind of accept what's happening because it's appropriate. It's a measure that everyone needs to take in this uncertain and unique situation. And we may accept these measures that limit what we can and cannot do as necessary. Because in that moment, we are then working from a place of personal responsibility for our well-being, which then impacts everyone else. If we ignore the guidelines and go out and party with a whole bunch of people and get drunk in a bar or have a house party unknowingly that one of those people is actually infected with the virus, we are not taking personal responsibility. This, these acts of social responsibility, recognizing that we are all in this together, makes the giving up of some of our freedoms feel less difficult, less, or rather we, res- we respond to this as a choice, as accepting it instead of reacting to it. That doesn't mean there aren't some um, rather unsettled people having their um, angry 256 character, what have you, diatribes on Twitter, absolutely losing their shit. But these are the people that haven't experienced this virus directly. And it's sad to say that most likely they will in some way, shape or form, whether it be them or someone they care about, and then their tune will change. So we don't have to be happy about this in the traditional sense of not having freedom. But this is certainly something that many of us, myself included, are deeply struggling with. And this is why I want and need to help anyone that is feeling anything like this right now. Because I need to help myself. I've been struggling the last couple of days emotionally dealing with my own worries reading a lot of news, trying to take in the information, trying to understand what it all means, feeling responsible for wanting to try to help others besides myself. I haven't been meditating, and I recognize that's something that I probably, that I really need to start tomorrow. So having said that aloud, that's another way of taking care of myself. 
you know, the last few days when I've gone out for a walk, I've, you know, just avoiding walking too close to anyone else passing on the sidewalk, noticing how few people there are actually out on the street at like on a, on a Thursday at like 1130 in the morning, how few vehicles are on the road, how many businesses have signs up closed until how generally quiet and peaceful it is. I want to, I I fight back the tears because I don't know how else to respond to what I'm seeing, knowing how others are feeling, knowing that others are in much worse situations than I am and almost feeling helpless to find solutions. And I realize that helplessness is not true. It's just going down, sliding down, falling into that well of worry and uncertainty. And it's taking action that gets me out of that and stimulates the prefrontal cortex, the thinking brain that starts me looking at solutions and makes me feel better. Even the now almost 30 minutes that I've been speaking, I'm feeling more energized and alive because I feel like I'm doing something that not only helps myself, but I hope is helping you. So this morning, I was literally fighting back, falling into a pit of darkness, you know, about to have an argument with my partner. And I wanted to go for a walk by myself. And he said, let's go to the park and do some exercise together. I said, well, maybe this afternoon. And then I was telling him what was going on. At first, I was silent. And then I shared it with him. And I started to feel a little better. And then he looked at me and he was about to say something like, well, if you're going to come with me, you better not. And then he just stopped. And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, Good. Good. It's a little something that the two of us have going on. He wanted to say, you know, don't fuck up with my mood, which would have triggered me. But he recognized what I was feeling, so I'm really grateful to him for that moment because he cared. So besides who cares about how you feel right now, who can you call Who can you Skype with? Who can you FaceTime with? And just talk, because that's going to help. What else can you do? You know, I I wrote something on Facebook as a response to something someone wrote. Um, He was commenting on all the empty shelves that he was seeing at a grocery store. And I feel that my response helped me more than it may have helped him, because I took action on doing what I feel I'm good at. I reframed a situation to look at the situation in a different way. What are the small actions? What are the aspects that led to that situation? And what are the things that might not have been considered that have created that situation? And what are the steps that are coming that are going to lead to an improvement of that situation? So this reframing and these smaller steps, these small pieces can can bring us back to this place of calmness, to this place of response, to this place of prediction, which gives us trust, which gives us certainty. I recognize that I evolve as a human being by teaching what I know and teaching what I'm in the midst of learning. If you are feeling anything like what I've detailed in today's episode and you want to discover a set of strategies 
to create more certainty and trust in this time of social distancing and isolation, economic uncertainty and everything else in this pandemic, then I invite you to join me for an upcoming free training on how to create trust and certainty in challenging times. Now, I'm going to be hosting one or more of these free trainings, and I've created a new group on Facebook that I've called Queer Leadership, and the link is in the show notes, but it's basically uh, facebook.com slash groups slash queer leadership. And all you need to do is, is click the link in the show notes, answer a couple of questions, request to join the group, and then I'll approve you. And I look forward to seeing you there. I'm going to wait for a few days, get enough people in there, and then deliver this training. I might do some live videos. I might do some pre-recorded. Then with some exercises that you can do on your own, on your own time, and you are completely welcome to share them within that group if you feel it will help others. And for the possibility of some feedback so that together in these times of social isolation, at least virtually, we can help each other and lift each other up and create more prediction and response so that we can feel more certain in this very difficult and disruptive time. Thank you for listening and think queerly.